Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hello and welcome to another podcast. This is Laura Berhani from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehave and Canine. And today we're talking about motivational tools and tips, techniques. Okay. Everything with a T. <laughs> and what we're hoping to do is introduce people to some creative ideas on what to use, right? Yeah. How, how to use motivational techniques and, and what to use. Right. So what have we got for our list of motivational tools? I was supposed to bring a list. I didn't know there was homework. <laughs> there was there homework. There was homework? Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. okay, you talk and I'll make a list. <laughs> Okay, well, one of the mo- motivational tools that you can use with your dog is play. Oh, that's a good one. Play well, see, that was, that was going to be on the top of my list. <laughs> God, I made one. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I was going to say. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, play is a really good motivational technique. When you are trying to train your dog to do something, play is wonderful because it's usually motivating to a high-energy dog. and It's, it's interactive. That's why I like it. Yes. Because it's interactive. It's you and the dog doing something right. together. So it encourages... Togetherness. <laughs> Gee, I'm glad you have all the work. I do. I think it, I've had a little too much it's caffeine. Good for, it's good for team building. It's good for getting the dog to want to work with you, which is really good. Another one would be food. Food. The ever-popular food. Yes. Mm-hmm. You say that like it's almost a bad thing? No, it's, it's just pretty much... The first go-to. Right, it is. And a lot of people get stuck on that. A lot of people start with food, stay with food, stick with food, never move off of food, and then they're always walking around with a big giant fanny pack around their belly. Right, and it's really helpful if you can use food, but then also start to transition over to other useful tools. And actually, we're going to cover a little bit about that in in an upcoming podcast, I think, for pairing. Yes. About pairing. So what else would you use besides food? Give me some give me some creative things you've used. Some creative things. Okay, I think the most creative was peeing. Peeing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like yeah, like the dog. The dog didn't want food. So I couldn't even use pairing to get the dog to uh-huh. to like peeing. He just liked peeing. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would want to use peeing as a pairing technique. But I kind of used it the other way around. This dog didn't want food, didn't want toys, couldn't care less about me. He was a chow mix, and all he wanted to do was sniff and lift his leg. All this dog wanted to do, sniff and lift his leg, sniff and lift his leg, and I was just the thing on the end of the leash preventing him from doing that. So guess what? I used it. Every time I wanted every time I wanted the dog's attention, because the dog wouldn't look at me either. Wow. So every time he was, he was walking along and there was a bush, and he would pull to tell me, hey, I want to go to that bush, and I would just stand there. And wait, and wait, and wait. And finally, he would turn around and look at me and kind of say a dirty word to me and then go, did you not notice I wanted to go smell the bush? And as soon as he would look at me, I would go, before he could get the dirty word out of his mouth, I would, <laughs> yes, and I would run him over to the bush and let him sniff and, sniff and lift his leg. Right. And within three days, and I was there for an hour a day every day, within three days, this dog was looking at me. Because what you were trying to achieve there was his attention. Right. Just start it because you can't do anything. You can't train a dog if you don't have their attention. Right. So you used urination. <laughs> yes. The big medical term. As a reward. Well, that is 
that is an interesting yeah. thing. And to then use. I was able to pair it with other things. I used that to get him to take food. I used that to get him to play with a toy. Right. It was the only thing. Yeah. It was the only thing that he was interested in. Right. So when you go out and you're looking for things to motivate your dog, you have to try to figure out what's interesting to your dog. I have, for motivational techniques before, I've used a dog that was really attached to another dog mm-hmm. in the family. I've gone to work with them and right. had them away from the other dog, and they desperately want to get back to the other dog. And I will use the smallest behavior towards what I'm looking for as an excuse to go running to the other dog right. to actually let him pair up with the other dog. And they figure out very quickly what works. Yes. Actually, last night I was working with a couple of dogs to get them to stop pulling on a leash. Mm -hmm. And one of the dogs has a really bad stomach. You can't use food with him at all. Mm -hmm. But he desperately wanted to be with the other young dog. Right. And so we would start to walk towards the other dog and he would start to pull. I would stop and around and go the other way. And then every time he would turn in toward me, I would tell him he was a good boy and start walking towards that dog. And it took a very short period of time before we were able to walk all the way to the second dog with him not pulling on the leash at all, with him at my side. Nice. Because he figured out, okay, the only way to get over there is to, to not walk pull on nicely. The leash. Right. Exactly. What are some other things? I think, God, there's a million. You know what? You can use anything that your dog really loves. Sniffing. Without the being. Sniffing. <laughs> just sniffing. I'm yeah, like, your dog wants to. Can yeah, okay, okay. Being? Yeah. So, but it works so well. I'm telling you, it works so well. But, yeah, just the sniffing. You have a dog, like a hound or a beagle or something. You find a way, like usually a head halter, to keep his nose up off the ground, and you get him to do something for you, and then you let him sniff a spot. You let him sniff one spot for five or six seconds, and then you say, all right, and you move on. You don't let him go to one little spot and then drag you 20 feet down the greenway to get all of his sniffs out. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things that I've used with one of my dogs is a release, so what I call the victory lap. So... At the time that I was teaching my dog to do a retrieve, mm-hmm. when he would bring something back to me, I would take it away from him briefly, give it back to him, and have him do a victory lap. And that, for yeah. him, was really, really motivating. That, yeah. was, that was the big reward for him. And so he learned, this is great. I want I want you to get this and take this from me as quick as possible because then I know you're going to give it back to me and applaud my victory lap. <laughs> right, right. And as, he's, he's, as he's going, woo, yeah. he can hear the crowds. <laughs> All the yeah, applause. Just run in a great big circle away from me. And, I mean, a circle. So he came back. Right. But the point was that that was really rewarding to him. And for that thing, where I wanted speed and I wanted him to work with a lot of enthusiasm, the victory lap was the one that didn't shut that down. Right. It kept that speed and that happiness going. But he found it highly rewarding. So when you have a new dog and you're starting to train with a new dog, what's your procedure for trying to figure out what they like? I ask them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll show them, I'll show them like two different things, two different kinds of food. Like let's say I'm starting off with food. So I'll show them a piece of hot dog and a piece of string cheese. And so they're telling me what's an A food and what's a B food, or they could both be A foods. You know, dogs have done that before. They sniff both of them and they sit back and look at me and go, I don't know. <laughs> Can't make this choice. You're going to have to do it for me. Right? But some, most of the time the dog will give you a clear answer. This is the one I want. So I go, okay, so that really big, like let's say it's the hot dog, that's the thing I'm going to use outside on the street when there are bicycles going by. Right. Or when you're teaching a new behavior or when you're coming up against difficult, just any kind of difficult distraction. Right. Anything that's difficult for the dog. Right. Because the value of the motivator should be equal to or greater than the amount of distraction. Okay. So when would you drop a motivator? Let's say you were using food. Let's say that your choices were hot dog 
and then, oh, let's say it was a chicken. Okay, let's say it was cooked chicken and then hot dog, and this is in order of importance to the dog. So let's okay. say you've already determined that chicken is a really high motivator, and then hot dog comes next, and then maybe string cheese after that, and then maybe a piece of the dog kibble. The dog's okay. kibble comes after that. So how would you choose what your motivator was? I mean, what's your determining factor for what you're going to use as a motivator? Um, well, I have to know the dog. I look at everything as having a certain gravitational pull. So I have to also look at how close to the distraction I am. So like one of my dogs, if there are bicycles around and they are within 15 feet, I better have roast beef. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, your, your choices were chicken, hot dog. Okay, right, okay. Okay, then I would have to, I would have to go for it. Let me pull you right back. <laughs> oh, sorry. Work with me Then here. I guess I'm going to have to do the, I guess I'm going to have to take the chicken, Chuck, for, for 200. Thank you. <laughs> because that has a strong oh, pull. Right, exactly. exactly. And, but, the, but then I'm going to have to keep my distance from the bicycle. For example, I was working him close to a horse. Uh -huh. Not close to a horse. We were way far away from the horse. We were in the same arena as the horse, but the horse was way at the other end. I could get his attention for like two seconds. And then he, he would go, he, he, the, the horse was really... Magnetized. Really, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so... I had to, and even though we were in an arena, I would have to, in order to get his attention, even with the chicken, I would have to go out of the arena and increase the distance, increase that gravitational pull so that I had more gravitational pull than the horse did. Mm -hmm. So that's going to determine. And I know that if I'm in the backyard, I'm going to use the kibble. Right. So let's say you're teaching a sit. Let's say you're teaching a sit. I'll use and kibble. You, okay. Use kibble. Maybe if you're, if you're in the house. But if you're outside and there are dogs across the street playing, you might have to use something stronger. Well, I, but I wouldn't Not teach your a dog sit. necessarily. Right, I understand. But I wouldn't teach a sit in that kind of distracting environment. No, but let's say you're working on a sit. Let's I'm say you have a young dog that you've recently taught a sit to. Okay, and now okay. I'm, and I'm generalizing. I'm taking it places. Yes. I'm taking it on the road. So while you might use the kibble in the house, right? then when you got outside... You might step up. I might, yeah, I might step up. I may not step up to just straight string cheese. I may use some kibble with an occasional piece of string cheese to keep the dog guessing at what's going on. That's my big trick, too. I'll, I Most of the time, if I'm going to use food with a dog, I'm and I have a dog, even a dog that I'm teaching something new to, a lot of times I will have a mixed bag of things. So the dog never quite knows what's coming up. So it may be a piece of kibble. Especially if I have a dog that would work for kibble. But right. it may be a piece of string cheese, but it may be a piece of chicken. And so since there's always a little bit of a surprise factor, that in and of itself can be exactly. highly motivating. Or I might all of a sudden break out a toy. And now I've been working with food, and all of a sudden I make the, it a game of, of tug or a game of chase. Right. Something that the dog really, really enjoys, but that I'm going to break out sort of as a surprise. And that's another way to use a motivational tool. Yeah, and, and to keep the dog guessing. That in itself, like you said, is, is motivating. The dog never knows what's coming next. Mm -hmm. You know, and I used to think, with my first pit bull, I used to think he swallowed everything whole and never tasted anything. So it didn't matter to him what I He would take kibble just as enthusiastically as he would take a piece of steak. Mm -hmm. And so I thought for him, it didn't matter. And then one day, I was at agility practice, and I'm walking along with him, and I had natural balance, you know, the log stuff that we all use. Mm -hmm. I had natural balance with me, and I was walking, and a friend of mine was walking about 15 feet away, going the opposite direction, and Grover peeled off of me so fast. <laughs> so fast. Bye, Mom. Yeah. And I went, and I thought he was just happy to see Judy, you know? <laughs> and I go, I go, Grover, come here. And he starts to come to me, and he went, yeah, sorry, Mom. <laughs> he started to come to me, and it was kind of like a... a 
kind of a casual come here. It wasn't like a right. real, you know, right. I was like, come on, leave her alone, let's go. And he started to come to me, and I saw the look on his face. I was like, yeah, no, sorry, got to go. And he turned around, and he ran back to her. And I looked at her, and I said, Judy, what do you have? And she said, a hot dog. Mm-hmm. So here I am thinking that my pit bull who swallowed everything whole, mm-hmm. who didn't pay attention to what was going in his mouth, he actually did have a priority. And that told me a lot. Right. It just, with that particular dog, you could get a lot of work out of even low priority. Oh, pets. absolutely. Right. Absolutely. He would work for a bull full of He did have a priority. Oh, yeah. It's just that it he, wasn't necessarily necessary to get to a high priority to get him to work. Right. Oh, yeah. No, this dog would work for anything. Yeah. I mean, I have a dog that works to do the next piece of work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and a lot of dogs find that motivating. When right. I was uh, working with somebody who was doing movie work, there was a dog that wouldn't eat his kibble in his kennel. He would lose weight when he wasn't on set because he had to work. And so we had to make it a point to take him out of his kennel, have him do a couple of his behaviors, and then he would eat. Mm-hmm. It's like the dog had a work ethic like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. And those are really fun to work with, but just because your dog doesn't have that strong work ethic doesn't mean that you can't get your dog to work great. Absolutely. You right. just have to find what's important to him, and you have to be able to determine what's important to him. And I think that your idea of asking the dog it's hard for people to grasp that because yeah. they, a lot of times when I work with people, what I find is they have this expectation that because they think something should be motivating, it's difficult for them to understand that for their dog, it's not motivating. So sometimes I come up against some reluctance. Right, especially when they things. bought the most expensive dog toy in the store. They went out, they bought the most expensive dog toy in the store, and gosh darn it, their dog is going to like it. And why doesn't he like it? And if he doesn't like it, he's being obstinate. But he's not being obstinate. He just has his own opinions. It's like, okay, you can't motivate me with mushrooms. (laughs) But my husband loves them. I love them too. And you give him a (laughs) plate of grilled mushrooms and he'll do anything for you. Me, not so much. (laughs) Really not so much. If you, I don't know, do you have this experience? You know what, I I just want to say, I have wonderful clients and they're wonderful people. But a lot of times when I first start working with people, I have to overcome their expectations. And one of the biggest expectations people have is that they have an idea of why the dog should work. And when the dog doesn't work the way that they think that right. it's going to, somehow the dog is broken. Especially if they had another dog before that loved certain things. Oh, my other dog loved to be scratched behind the ear. Oh, my other dog loved to have his belly rubbed. Why? What's wrong with this dog? Right. And so... Not every dog has the same taste, and it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with your dog or that your dog isn't interested in working. It doesn't even mean that you can't get a lot of work out of the dog. It means that you have to discover what it is that's important to that dog. I know that when you really get to, um, to higher levels of training... You can teach a dog that all sorts of different things are motivating, just mm-hmm. simply by pairing. And as I right. said, we did another podcast about pairing. But initially, the most important thing about motivational techniques is discovering what your dog likes. Why is it important to use motivation? Because your dog is not just going to work for nothing, any more than you would. If you show up to work tomorrow, and up until now, you were making money, and tomorrow they say, you know what? We have discovered that we have a love of glass beads. We love glass beads. Your boss. Yeah, I love glass beads. But we love them. Yes. But we love them. They're beautiful. And yes. you know what? People pay us for them. So from now on, we're paying you in glass beads. That's yeah. what you're going to get. You're going to get glass beads. How long would it take you before you stop showing up for work? And that's why w- when you use motivational techniques, you have to think about what is it that I'm doing? I'm paying the dog for his work. I'm rewarding him for his work. And it is not, work. I'm not and it is always work. For the rest of the dog's life, it is work. Right. 
I'm not bribing him. Right. I'm rewarding him. Right. I'm giving him a paycheck for what he does. So when you start developing your training program and you start trying to decide how you're going to motivate your dog, try not to judge. <laughs> try not to judge what it is that he's working. Try not to get discouraged because he doesn't get excited over what you think he's going to get excited over. And if you want to know what your dog likes, follow him around for part of the day. And watch him. Yeah, watch him. What does he do? What does he, does he go to a particular bush outside, you know, and again, back to the sniffing, <laughs> or like, you know, you're just, rolling you're just in. I don't know. <laughs> well, so many dogs like to sniff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do have noses, and it is their strongest sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. But some dogs like to roll. So you can use rolling. Rolling on something as a, as a reinforcer for, mm-hmm. for a dog. Follow him around. See what he does. Let's say he likes to go in and lie down in this certain spot. Guess what? Keep him from lying down in that certain spot. Ask him to do something. Yay, good. Lo- go lie down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it can be the simplest of things. There are things that your dog does walking around the house saying, look, I like to do this. Look, I like to do that. And those are things that you are not taking control of that you could. That's right. And a big part of training your dog is controlling the resources. Yes. Resources that your dog finds motivating. Right. Or valuable. And so that's the other thing about trying to determine what you're going to use for a motivational technique. If you have a dog that has petting or praise or food or toys or all the play he can want or all the interaction that he can want at his disposal all the time, it is highly unlikely that that is going to be motivation to work. You're not going to be able to then go, I know you've had access to these all day long and now I want you to do something for them. That's right, because he's going to look at you and say, no, I'm going to lay down in the corner. I'll still have access. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and I'll have it again tomorrow. That's right. And the next day and the next. That's right. Which is one of the reasons that, you know, so many of us ask that you not just leave toys lying around your house all the time. All access all the time to all these different toys. I mean, you have a dog that likes toys and stuff, but he has one special toy that he really loves. Okay, you can own that toy. That's your toy that you pull out when you want to work with your dog. Mm-hmm. And then you take it and you put it away. You don't, like, let the dog play with it for 20 minutes until he gets tired of it. Mm-hmm. Because then tomorrow, its value has gone down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, I guess we've covered motivational techniques. I think we have. How to go about that. I'm sure later on we'll come up with something else and maybe revisit the topic. That's very possible. So until that time, I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And this is Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers... Or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.